Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.22 a.m. It is the 9th of December, 2019, and this is episode 173 of Bitcoin And. And we have... Zuxbucks.win. That is Z-U-X-B-U-X.win. The website states in the splash page, the first provably zero-sum copycat metascam improving the hex scam to make it even more scammy. Most likely this is brought to you by Giacomo Zucco, who probably at the moment is on an epic, uh, one of those epic Richard Hart win live streams that probably you know, God only knows if he'll be able to last the nine hours that Richard likes to do. But uh, apparently uh, this is a, a thing about uh, this is a thing for Giacomo or he's put this out and it's obviously it's a, it's a website that's just poking fun at, at the scam that is the Hexit scam. And if you're going to buy into the Hexit scam, I'm sorry, but you des- deserve to lose everything. And I'm so sorry about that. Onto onto even more fascinating developments. A banana taped to a wall sold for like $120,000. Now, not to be outdone, Crypto Graffiti did his own take on the banana and duct tape. He says, on December the 6th, he tweets out, Art drop. Unlike some modern art, Bitcoin has verifiable value. In the Bay... Act fast before the private key with an undisclosed amount of BTC rots. The commodity, 2019. Banana, duct tape, and Bitcoin on wall, 7 inches by 12 inches. <laughs> and he's got a video. And apparently what he's done is he's taken an X-Acto blade and scored the banana, the peel of the banana, uh, with the private key. And then he's gone around and taped it to some nondescript wall somewhere, I'm assuming, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, This was December the 6th, so by this time, it's either completely rotted off the wall or somebody's gotten the BTC. I haven't heard anything else about this yet. Um, I thought that was really interesting because as like you lit those uh, slits that he puts into the banana peel oxidize, they get brown. So it will become perfect. The private key would become perfectly legible, but give it, you know, all props to crypto graffiti for taking what is really stupid and turning it into something actually useful. So there you go. Lightning is growing up. Uh, John Carvalho or at Bitcoin error log uh, has retweeted OpenNode at OpenNode Co., who says on December the 7th, the largest public channel to BTC on the network was just opened with our friends at BitRefill. And then they give the 1ml.com address to that channel so that you can go check it out yourself. But yeah, to BTC. And for some reason or another, there's chatter on Twitter. Uh, some people have been are getting really triggered today by lightning. I just 
have seen all manner of, of really weird FUD going on about it. Don't buy into the FUD. Buy Bitcoin. Uh, Alex Thorm, he is at Intangible Coins on Twitter. He tweeted out, when do you do this? Uh, on December the 6th, the total number of Bitcoin addresses that hold any amount of BTC has hit an all-time high at 28.39 million addresses, surpassing the previous all-time high of 28.38 million, which was achieved on the 1st of October in 2018. So there was a fairly, there was actually after October the 10th of 2018, there was a good free fall in the amount of Bitcoin addresses that have any balance on it whatsoever. And then that seemed to have stopped around, oh, I don't know, January of 2018. No, this would have been, uh, I think he's got his numbers wrong. In either event, there was a precipitous drop and now it's grown back up all the way to 28.39 million addresses with any amount of BTC on it whatsoever. That's going to do it for what's going on in the community. Let's do some vitals. Before we get into the vitals, I'd like to remind you to like, share, retweet, um, follow, subscribe to all of my stuff because it really helps me, especially five-star reviews out there at the, uh, at, uh, uh, iTunes, the uh, podcast and go to, you know, go to my podcast. It's the, uh, permalink is on my bio and my Twitter, uh, that is at B E N D seven, seven. Again, that is B E N N D seven, seven hit that link. Go give me a five-star review because quite frankly, they really help now for vital statistics brought to you by bitinfocharts.com uh, mempool.space and 1ml.com. We have a Bitcoin at a price of 7,594. The high is going to be over at coins bid at 7,701. The low is going to be out at hit BTC at 7,515. So fairly tight trading range again. 300,000 transactions have been made in the last 24 hours, giving us an average transaction amount per hour of about 12,348. Uh, looks like 800,000 BTC have been sent in those last 24 hours, with an average being sent per hour of 33,322, with an average transaction value of 2.7 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.019 BTC or about 140 bucks. Block times are low at ten, nine minutes and 21 seconds. We have 0.1 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 17 BTC being taken all in taken being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've lost 4% of the hash rate bringing us down to 96.7 exahashes per second. And it would appear that the last uh, commit to the uh, GitHub Bitcoin code base was done on the 8th. That would be yesterday. Ethereum is at 151. Bcash is at 213. Litecoin is at 45.6. BSV is at 97. Ethereum Classic is at $3.9. And Dogecoin is recovered slightly, coming back up to 0 0.0024 with 30,000 transactions over the last 24 hours, Doge destroys Bcash 
at who has 29,000 and Litecoin at 22,000. Let's get into the mempool. Looks like we are eight blocks deep with 14,000 unconfirmed transactions. Mempool size is 10 megabytes. All of the blocks are above one megabyte in size. Lightning Network, we have passed 10,700 nodes. We are at 10,704 nodes. That is a 3% increase on a month-over-month basis. Number of channels is at 35,000, and that is a 0.4% increase uh, percent increase on a month-over-month basis. And we have a 4% increase in the network capacity on a month-over-month basis. We are standing at 850 BTC on the network. We have 6,000 active channels. That is a 2.7% increase. And the number of new nodes is down by 11%. We only have eight new nodes that have come online in the last 24 hours. We have 105 new channels that have been born in the last 24 hours, but that is a 4.5% drop on a day-over-day basis. That's going to do it for vitals. Monday is always a good day for Pink Floyd because it's, you know, we're kind of just getting back up, you know, back to life from the weekend and whatnot. I have always found that that uh, some good old Pink Floyd does well on Monday. This is old Pink Floyd, but it was, you know, well, I mean, it was redone in the 90s. I mean, this is from their, the, the song is from their first album, but this particular recording is from the Pulse live album, which was done in the 90s. Uh, so they updated it quite a bit, but not, but without, you know, breaking any of the cool stuff that, you know, the cool sounds and the, the, the jibe and, and the, how, how to say it, the weirdness that the early, early Pink Floyd stuff brings to the table. So House of Floyd.
Let's start off the morning roundup with a hat tip to Matt O'Dell, who tweeted out this uh, story from the Sydney Morning Herald, which I find funny because they're the, the abbreviation for that is going to be SMH or Shake My Head. <laughs> but this is a, this is definitely a Shake My Head movement. Greeks set to face heavy fines if they don't spend thirty percent of their income electronically. This is Tom Rees writing this morning for, yeah, writing this morning for the Sydney Morning Herald. Greeks will be hit with a hefty fine if they do not spend almost a third of their income electronically in an unprecedented bid by the new government to stamp out rampant tax evasion. The government expects to raise more than 500 million euros every year from the initiative that will force Greeks to spend 30% of their income electronically, Alex Patalis, the prime minister's chief economic advisor, revealed. Individuals that fail to meet the target will be hit with a 22% fine on the shortfall. Therefore, if an individual spends just 20% of their income through electronic means, they would face a 22% tax on the remaining 10%, bar some exclusions. The scheme is a radical attempt to cast some light on Greece's huge shadow economy, the world's largest, and is part of new Prime Minister, no way I'm pronouncing that dude's name, sweeping overhaul to revive growth. Quote, this is a big initiative next year that will either raise more revenue because people will pay the penalty or more likely because of the higher VAT receipts, Mr. Patel has told the Telegraph. The revenue predicted is likely to be at the lower end of estimates, and the country's bank will help impose the measures by reporting spending to the authorities. If a Greek earned 1,000 euros per month and only paid 15% of their income electronically, they would pay a fine of around 400 euros every year, for example. The, the government is confident it will not drive more workers into the country's booming shadow economy and tempt them to understate their earnings, a key problem in Greece. Oh my God, I can't believe you think that. Greeks will use debit, can use debit cards, credit cards, bank transfers, and e-commerce for the electronic transactions, which includes rent. But many workers are paid their wages in cash, which they then use to pay their rent and bills. Greece also has one of the lowest internet usage rates in the EU at 72%. This suggests that some in the country could struggle to meet the 30% target. Southern Europe, particularly Greece, have booming shadow economies. God only know what, can only imagine why. A study by the Institute for Applied Economic Research in 2017 found that Greece had the largest in the world, being equivalent to 22% of gross domestic product. Individuals and businesses are enticed to underreport earnings and avoid taxation due to high rates and cumbersome bureaucracy. Tax evasion has been labeled a, a Greek national sport. Oh, I love it. And it was estimated in 2016 to cost the country's coffers up to 16 billion euros every year, largely through fraud or VAT on income tax. However, Mr. Mitosokakis' government is cutting the tax burden of workers and businesses in an attempt to shock the Greek economy back into life. It's not going to work. Greece has returned to growth, but its economy remains sluggish with output still a quarter below pre-financial crisis levels. So, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, good luck, good luck. I, I, just, to, just to spring this on an entire population of people, well, this is why we Bitcoin. Um, okay, yeah, this one, oh, good Lord. This one is Huobi's U.S. Partner Exchange. HBUS ceases to operate. Now, this is directly from uh, the uh, 
Twitter account from HuoBUS, which is at HuoB underscore US. We regret to inform you that HBUS will indeed will need to cease operations so that it can return in a more integrated and, and impactful fashion as part of its ongoing strategic layout. Please refer to our FAQ and contact support at hbus.com. Yeah, ongoing strategic layout. That's business doublespeak for we are hosed. Uh, Jack Dorsey's back in. Uh, somebody's done a little bit more research on his African play. Jack Dorsey eyes African market. This is Brave New Coins. Kieran Smith writing on the 8th of December. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey spent November on an extended trip through Africa, talking with Bitcoin business owners in Ghana, meeting with tech startups in Nigeria, and talking up the region's Bitcoin prospects. Dorsey ended his trip with a tweet from the Ethiopian capital of Addis Ababa, stating that Africa will define the, define the future, especially the Bitcoin one. With that, the founder of Twitter and Square confirmed his intention to return to Africa for six months in 2020, an announcement which sent stocks in his companies spinning as investors contemplated the effect of absent leadership, but also roused curiosity from Bitcoin fans second-guessing the purpose of his travels. Quote, I want to understand the challenges of starting a company here and figuring out a way I can support, said Dorsey, at a town hall meeting in the Nigerian capital of Lagos at the beginning of his trip. I want to live here for three to six months next year, full-time, no traveling. On his expedition across the continent, Dorsey stopped at several tech hubs, including the Silicon Savannah of Kenya and the thriving startup scene of Ethiopia, where he listened to pitches from the companies driving change in the nascent tech sector. One such pitch was from Dara Aladusu, the creator of a Twitter app called Quoted Replies, who was offered a job after meeting Dorsey in Lagos. But the biggest area of transformation, as suggested by Dorsey's tweet, is likely to be the payments industry. Lack of infrastructure across large swaths of Africa means a great chunk of the population remains unbanked. And funding is flowing into fintech sec- uh, solutions to remedy this, with mobile money services like Safaricom's M-Pesa becoming popular. But as corporations have taken control of money, problems have arisen, you, you think. Not only do private services like M-Pesa still use volatile local currency, they are also vulnerable to network failure. The leading transcription or transaction platform in Zimbabwe, EcoCash, suffered network outages in July this year, leaving businesses stranded without a payment option. Around the same time, Bitcoin trading skyrocketed as the local government banned the use of foreign currencies to settle transactions. Search metrics in African countries also appear to show increased interest in Bitcoin. The four countries Dorsey visited, Nigeria, Ghana, Ethiopia, and South Africa, are among the top-ranking regions for searches for Bitcoin worldwide over the past year, as per data from Google Trends. That Dorsey should be looking to plant the seeds of Bitcoin adoption in such a fertile region will come as no surprise considering his enthusiasm for the cryptocurrency. He told the Sydney Morning Herald in September that he believed Bitcoin was still the best bet for becoming the Internet's native currency. Quote, as I look at all cryptocurrencies that could fill the role of being the native currency for the Internet, Bitcoin is a pretty high probability, said Dorsey, while conceding that more development was needed to address the volatility in sluggish transaction processing. 
Square Crypto, the cryptocurrency-focused branch of Dorsey's mobile payment company Square, is well-placed to assist with this development by building the digital infrastructure needed for Bitcoin adoption in the region. Square Cash's, the Square's Cash app was originally devised as an investment portal, but after customers started treating it more like a bank account, Dorsey made the decision to lean into the trend and expand the app to better serve users in underbanked areas of the U.S. like Memphis, Detroit, and St. Louis. As senior equity analyst at Moffitt Nathanson, Lisa Ellis told CNBC that this use case neatly dovetails with Africa's untapped banking market. Quote, Cash App fits tightly with Square's mission to empower the individual entrepreneur and drive financial inclusion. I can see products like Square's merchant working capital and the ability to purchase Bitcoin and do fractional investing having significant applicability in Africa. Meanwhile, Facebook's embattled cryptocurrency project Libra, was once also, which once also set sights on the developing world, has slumped after hitting a global wall of resistance from regulators. That's because you can be regulated. In November, the rival social media giant pivoted with the announcement of Facebook Pay, a new payment system for WhatsApp, Messenger, and Instagram that is less focused on helping the unbanked and more on streamlining existing payments. So there you go. A little bit more... Uh, insight into what Jack was doing down there in Africa and what his future plans are. Crypto payments are now legal in Ukraine. This is Osato Avan Namayo writing for Bitcoinist.com. When was this? Yeah, this is this morning. Lawmakers in Ukraine have adopted new legislation that legalizes crypto payments as the country moves forward with strict compliance to, you guessed it, international anti-money laundering AML standards. According to Forklog, members of the Verkona Rada, Ukraine's legislative arm, have adopted a new bill that incorporates international AML best practices into the country's crypto regulatory framework. As part of the newly adopted legislation, cryptos are now classified as property in Ukraine. Thus, virtual currency owners can use their digital holdings as a medium of exchange, allowing room for legalized trading payments, investments, and transfers. Details of the new law also include a provision for private individuals to act as crypto money transmitters and custodians. Nice. Such services must, however, operate in strict compliance with financial monitoring and reporting standards prescribed by the newly adopted bill. The news of the legalization of crypto asset payments comes on the heels of an announcement by the country's Ministry of Digital Transformation of its partnership with the Belarusian crypto exchange. As recorded by Bitcoinist, the move aims to learn from the Belarusian experience in creating a legal framework for payments and virtual currency adoption in general. By legalizing crypto payments, Ukraine appears to have taken a significant step in boosting local virtual currency commerce in the country. Earlier in the year, the city of Kiev announced that it was considering allowing Bitcoin payments in its public transport system. By adopting the new regulatory standards for crypto payments, Ukraine is also complying with the guidelines introduced by the uh, Intergovernmental Financial Action Task Force, or FATF. Since the start of 2019, the FATF has been keen on directing member nations to enact more stringent regulatory provisions. The main focus for the FATF concerning crypto has been compliance with AML regulations. Several crypto exchanges have been forced to comply with FATF travel rule. In preparing the bill, Ukrainian lawmakers reportedly collaborated with European Union-funded crypto experts. Ukraine's government will also be hoping that the adoption of the new laws laws will aid its quest in securing up to 500 million euros in financial assistance from the EU. Sounds like a freaking bribe, man. 
Since assuming office, Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky has adopted a positive stance toward digital and blockchain technology. Reports indicate that the Zelensky administration sees blockchain adoption as a path forward or towards fighting systematic corruption in the country. Oh, good God. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's something. I mean, this is what's going on. You're getting more and more nation state level uh, adoption and interest. And it's just, it's not going to, the, the interest is not going to wane. It's just going to increase. So, n- not investment advice by Bitcoin. <clears throat> Bitcoinist Hamrida Sara is writing that Bitcoin usage in Nigeria surging despite government caveats. So this dovetails into the Jack Dorsey news. The central bank of Nigeria has warned that Bitcoin and digital currencies are not legal tenders, but Nigerians, well, they don't seem to care. I think we're all starting to, to adopt a I don't give a shit attitude. In its December 2019 edition of the Nigerian Banker, the Chartered Institute of Bankers of Nigeria highlighted how Bitcoin is booming in Nigeria despite the central bank's anti-crypto stance. As per its report on digital currencies, quote, the CBN has also declared that digital currencies are not legal tender with NARA as the sole legal tender. There are concerns on the use of other digital currency, which is currently changing the global payment ecosystem. And it's not just the CBN. The Nigerian Senate has also tried its best in deviating the Vox Populi off of the Bitcoin and crypto track, but it seems the people really don't feel settled by a disappointing government and the ongoing economic disparity. As per the latest report from Financial Times, Mohamedou Bahari is already past six months in his second tenure as the Nigerian president and still, quote, Nigeria is going backwards economically. A combination of anemic growth and fast-growing population means the economy has been shrinking in per capita terms throughout Mr. Buhari's tenure. The, secret, uh, the security situation is unstable despite some progress against Boko Haram, the Islamist terrorist group. Clashes between herdsmen and settled farmers are affecting much of the country. Crucially, Mr. Buhari's reputation for personal integrity has not translated into a discernibly more efficient or honest state, end quote. Hence, citizens have chosen to put their faith in a form of currency which, through unregu- though unregulated, guarantees absolute financial freedom. A couple of months back, Bitcoinists reported the findings gathered by Binance's research wing, WRT, Bitcoin popularity in the world country-wise. Analysts or analysis of BTC's Google search heat rankings by country region from 2011 till September of this year revealed startling results. Bitcoin has been popular in numerous parts of the world since 2011, including Northern Europe, Russia, New Zealand, U.S., Germany, the U.K., Singapore, and Hong Kong. But since 2017, it's Nigeria and South Africa that have hogged the limelight for being BTC hotspots of the world. So much so that the two countries have maintained their top-tier rankings, implying that the majority of the population is aware of the cryptocurrency. This must have driven Binance to list Nigeria's fiat currency, the Naira, or Naira? 
Nara. Um, we'll go, I'm going with Nara as the first fiat to crypto trading pair on its platform. Square and Twitter chat or Twitter chief Jack Dorsey is aware of rising Bitcoin and interest crypto interest in the African Peninsula. That's why he's announced plans to move to the continent for a good long time to understand the challenges of starting a company there. During his visit, he was seen actively participating in local Bitcoin meetups in Ghana, which is also one of the countries where BTC is gaining amazing traction as a usable form of currency. This could be an opportunity for his payments company to take charge and supercharge the crypto scenario in Africa. And I actually believe that. I think he's, I think he's going to do that. But going from Africa into space, we have a Bitcoin wallet is orbiting the Earth at five miles per second. This is Coindesk's, oh, who is this? Well, out there, Danny Nelson uh, writing this morning, Cape Canaveral, Florida. At exactly 1229 EST on Thursday, a crypto wallet built by developers at Space Chain hurtled into the stratosphere above or aboard a Falcon 9 rocket. When it arrived at the International Space Station, the one kilogram node became the first active Bitcoin node on the ISS. For Space Chain, the launch is a step forward in its mission of building out a robust decentralized blockchain infrastructure high above the Earth. The wallet will be beyond any country's jurisdiction and well above the reach of any physical hardware hacks. Space Chain sees its nodes as a radical new way to make crypto transactions more secure. This is a three-year-old company's third launch and its first from American soil. The other two launches blasted off from uh, China. The wallet will play a small but important part in that long-term goal, said Zizang, Space Chain, Space Chain CEO and co-founder. Once the astronauts aboard the ISS install it, the node will operate for about a year, securing multi-sig transactions through the ISS data feed. We met with Zhang over margaritas at a Mexican joint overlooking the famed Floridian Space Coast. More than half of his team had congregated in Florida to watch the launch. He was ecstatic. This launch had been the 23-person company's full-time focus for much of 2019, and it was a milestone they've been shooting for since they first proposed it 18 months ago. Quote, we put all of the company's resources into it, said Zhang. Space Chain declined to state how much payload space and research and development cost. They contracted through NanoRacks, whose CEO Jeffrey Manbar is also a Space Chain advisor. It is fundamentally different from the other two nodes Space Chain has put into orbit. For us, it's kind of tricky. There's no existing space-tested hardware available, so even to install our own software, we needed to make major changes, said Zhang. Building a space wallet was one thing. Making it compliant for use on the ISS was something completely different. Space Chain's open-source protocol had to be vetted by NASA and retrofitted for the station's unique plug architecture, Zhang said. Zhang said that having Jeff Garzik, a Space Chain's chief technical officer, helped in that regard. Garzik was one of the early Bitcoin core developers and blah, 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 blah. Garzik is not, I'm not a fan of Garzik, so I'm just going to skip that part. I know I shouldn't, but screw him. About five years ago in the Bitcoin talk forum, Jeff wrote an article about Bitcoin in space. It's been his dream for a while. This launch is a far cry from their first space project, a Raspberry Pi, equipped with a QTAM node that the company launched from China's Gobi Desert in February of 2018. The second launch was slightly more developed. The hardware could run blockchain dApps on the Space Chain OS 
and it communicated directly with the ground. This new wallet will operate independently of Space Chain's past launches. It will not communicate with the previous nodes, and all comms will route through the ISS feed to ground. This means the device will have a slower connection, and it will take hours, not minutes, for any single transaction to complete. We actually want to make slower... Huh? We actually want to make slower, said Zhang, who described this crawling pace as a feature, not a bug. Quote, we see many crypto exchanges get hacked, and within two minutes, the funds, millions of dollars get transferred. By utilizing this channel, we can not only secure transactions, but have a chance to intercept suspicious activity. Oh, God, this gets worse. This could appeal to high-dollar clients, custodial services, exchanges, and enterprise customers, said Zhang, who are more than willing to trade a few extra hours for added peace of mind. The node will live alongside a number of other experiments sent up to the ISS, including Anheuser-Busch's study of how sugar malt in sugars malt in space and an experiment to test of the effects microgravity has on genetically modified supermice. So, yeah, it goes on and talks about a couple of other experiments that are up there that are not relevant to this. So, but... I mean, it sounds like it's a Bitcoin wallet. Um, what's odd about this is it says it in the it says Bitcoin wallet in the uh, headline, but I don't know, man. With their they're uh, delving into other parts of shit coinery, uh, I don't know. I, I'm gonna go ahead and just assume that the headline is correct and it is in fact a Bitcoin wallet on the ISS circling at five miles per second around the earth. And that the whole thing with suspicious activity, I guess it's one of those things where you, we really, as much as we want, you know, or I want um, things not to be able to be censored and we say, well, Bitcoin is uncensorable. I, I think the base chain is definitely uncensorable, but when you start getting into hardware and stuff like that, you can do things that, a lot of people don't like, and I hate to say it, but we probably shouldn't poo poo that because it just means that Bitcoin is a hell of a lot more robust than maybe we think. And maybe Bitcoin is like, you know, it, it depends on the wallet you're using. It depends on the node you're using. It depends on where you decide to habitate, I guess. All these things, you know, can affect just how censorable the, you know, Bitcoin is. And in this particular case, it's not like you can censor the whole chain. You can, it it sounds to me, what they're saying here is that you could censor a transaction because they've slowed it down so much that they can really take a look at what's going on. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds bad, but it does demonstrate that different things can be done with the same chain, which leads me to question why the hell we have so much shit coinery going on, but whatever. understanding the Chilean social crisis and Bitcoin's potential impact on its people. Ali Martinez is writing for CryptoSlate.com December the 8th. That would be yesterday. Chile is one of the most prosperous and politically stable countries in Latin America. According to its president, Sebastián Piñera, in an interview with Financial Times in October, Piñera affirmed, quote, Chile looks like an oasis because we have a stable democracy. The economy is growing. We are creating jobs. We are improving salaries and we are keeping macroeconomic balance, end quote. A few days after his remarks, the country was rocked with a massive wave of demonstrations and looting. Although the unrest began over subway fees, it grew into a broader protest. Combinations of low wages, 
Rising living costs, high-priced drugs, and negligible pensions outraged Chileans who took to the street to seek economic equality and political inclusion. Crypto Slate recently had the opportunity to chat with Claudio Didier, or Didier, I'll say Didier, a Chilean protester and Bitcoin advocate to understand the impact of cryptocurrencies have had in the nation as the demonstrations continue. So the question put to Claudio is this, what is your personal story and what do you do professionally? My name is Claudio Didier from Chile. I'm 26 years old. I am a sound technician and musical producer and got into Bitcoin during September 2017 when its price started breaking records. From that moment, I decided to make a small investment. Meanwhile, I also started to learn about altcoins and their interesting and diverse projects behind each one of them. Tell us what is happening politically in Chile right now. What are the people protesting and fighting for? Claudio answers, the social crisis began when the subway system decided to raise the cost of a ticket by uh, four cents USD for the second time this year. Student groups started to do mass evasions in the subway in order to protest and more people joined the cause. As the days followed, the movement started to take form and go deeper into the social injustices and inequalities in the Chilean system. The deficient pension system, the low salaries, the poor public health care, and ultimately the desire to have a new constitution to make fairer laws. But the violence soon arrived and a big number of subway stations and supermarkets were burned, which made violence escalate quickly. And General Ataruga declared a curfew in Santiago. People are now protesting for all of these reasons, but not getting real solutions and not even in a reasonable amount of time. Also, one of the most tangible things happening is a growing hatred towards the Chilean police and the price of the dollar spiking from 719 CLP to 813 CLP in less than a month. How do the people of Chile view the current government leadership? People have lost trust in government and political parties. God, you think? It's not just in Chile, y'all. President Piñera is seen as inefficient and as someone not looking for real solutions for the people but to defend the status quo. Also, Chilean police is seen as a corrupt and brutally violent institution. What is the blockchain and or crypto community like in Chile right now? How are people using this technology? What is the government's view? Claudio answers... There are some communities such as the Association of Bitcoin in Chile that are making a good job in educating people on Bitcoin tech and the crypto ecosystem. They have a Telegram group called Bitcoin Chile and periodically make night events to talk to each other about the subject. Also, there are a few developers working on their own blockchain-related projects, and I would also like to mention what some Chileans and Venezuelans have been working on, something called Locha Mesh. That is a device to chat and send Bitcoin using radio waves, offline, and no internet. In Chile, you can spend crypto using a service called CryptoCompara by Flow.cl and CryptoMKT.com. So you can shop in more than 5,000 local services. Crypto is not often talked about by the government, but like many governments, they don't believe in its value. What impact do you think Bitcoin and crypto will have on the Chilean people over the next decade? Claudio answers, I think it all depends on how well developers and entrepreneurs play their game in convincing people about the benefits of using crypto and their ability to make it easy to use for the public. But I have no doubt crypto will make it. Also, I had the chance to speak with the people in the protests about the inter- the imminent inflation and global economic collapse that is coming. I believe in Bitcoin as a safe haven and that fiat money is a time bomb. What are the biggest obstacles for the mainstream adoption of crypto in Chile? 
the lack of knowledge and disinformation. Also, I would like to see more institutions promoting the tech and an easy-to-use platform to send crypto through the phone. What other projects and or blockchain developments are you most excited about? Uh, Claudio answers, I'm a big fan of IOTA and the Internet of things, of, of things tech in general. Also, I am very excited about the development of the Lightning Network. Do you have any blockchain and or crypto predictions for 2020 and beyond? CD, or, uh, Claudio answers, I believe the Lightning Network will take over, hopefully with a more friendly and easy-to-use platform, and Bitcoin price will gradually increase. The last question here is, what is your most controversial opinion relating to blockchain and or cryptocurrency? Claudio answers, I think Bitcoin will outperform every other asset in the next couple of years, and also gold and silver. While fiat money devalues, Bitcoin will do the opposite, making no-coiners become slowly the poorer class. Ooh, man, harsh, bro, harsh. Okay, so our friends in Chile are, you know, they seem to get it, like the people in Ukraine and uh, probably most likely the people in Greece because I don't think they're going to put up with that 30% penalty or that 30% you must you must spend. I mean, I don't need, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around exactly how that would work. Does that mean you have to spend... of your annual income electronically. I mean, so you have to spend it. It's not like, like it's not, I mean, here, here's the question. Is it 30% of your, of your annual income that you have to spend electronically? Or is it 30% of what you do spend out of your annual, uh, annual uh, salary that uh, that you have to spend electronically because there's a big difference. If they're forcing people to actually spend their money, 30% of their income, that's, that's a huge deal because that kind of goes into the, the fact that it, well, it would suggest that their economy is really having a lot more problems when you're forcing people to spend their money, i.e. negative interest rates, um, then yeah, shit's gone south. But back into Bitcoin land, we have backed goes live with options and cash settled futures products. This is sometime this morning. Coindesk's Nicholas Day is writing barely three months after launching its long anticipated physically settled Bitcoin futures product, the Intercontinental Exchange backs, uh, Intercontinental Exchanges backed has gone live with this Bitcoin options and cash-settled future contracts. The New York Stock Exchange's sister firm announced in a blog post on Monday that it's using its physically-settled Bitcoin contracts as a benchmark to support the new products, which were both announced in recent weeks. The blog post compared Intercontinental Exchange's Bitcoin ambitions to those of its bent crude oil futures. The company launched a number of swaps, options, and futures contracts based on the crude oil product and hopes to follow a similar playbook to grow its Bitcoin-related products. Quote, by starting with the physically delivered backed Bitcoin monthly futures, we have a benchmark contract which provides the foundation for us to develop complementary products based on the needs of our customers. While Back's physical futures contract saw a slow start after it was launched in late September, volume has recently picked up with the monthly futures product trading at more than 120 million three months in. Back's options contract come just a month before CME, which already offers cash settled Bitcoin futures in the U.S., 
launches its own similar product. However, while Bact's pricing will be based around its existing physical product, CME's is dependent on its Bitcoin index. Malta-based OKX also announced Monday that it would offer options trading later this month. Back's monthly options contract has no exposure to the spot markets, the firm said. The cash futures offered through ICE Futures Singapore seemingly takes aim at potential demand in Asian markets, though any ICE customer can trade the contract. The blog post also included a sign-up link for individuals interested in being updated on Back's consumer app, with the link itself asking for those signing up to specify whether, whether they are a consumer or a merchant. Backed announced the app in October, saying it would help consumers pay for goods using Bitcoin. Starbucks will be a launch partner when the app goes live sometime next year. Quote, at Backed, our mission is to bring trust and utility to digital assets. These new contracts represent an important milestone in the development of this emerging asset class in our Bitcoin product complex. End quote, the blog post says. Back's new launch comes days after CEO Kelly Loeffler was named as Georgia's next senator by state governor Brian Kemp. An I statement shared last Wednesday indicated that Loeffler would have to step down from her current role before she is sworn in on January the 1st. So there you go. The whole back thing went live. Totally awesome. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by God at, well, no, Mike Dudas from the Block Crypto. I don't know what, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why somebody in, in the professional capacity that, that Mike says that he's in, um, I mean, he's getting, you know, apparently good money from the Block Crypto. I don't know why he would uh, tweet this out, but he did. <clears throat> The guy whose company threw up a satellite to host anonymous troll bait attack tweets while taking pride in being a toxic attack dog, dishonest FUD thrower is now trying to give the internet a lesson on how deeply offended he is at being meme ripped. Galaxy brain level irony. This, I can only assume, has something to do with the whole Samson Mao and uh, that at carbon-based, I don't know, it goes by the name of Davis or something like that. And, you know, I'm I'm not even going to get into it because it's not worth it. But what's important to note here is that you've got basically the the chief of a journal company, you know, a, a journalistic company, if you can even call the block crypto that anymore. They've just, God, they've gotten so bad so quickly. Um, saying stuff like saying stuff like this. I mean, it's like you're supposed to be a professional, Mike. Come on, dude, get your shit together. There's your smoldering pile. Terrible joke corner brought to you as always by Dad Says Jokes. I ordered a chicken and an egg online. I'll let you know. I found that one to be particularly delightful. Okay, let's go ahead and get with you out. Yeah, I'm, these shows are are a little bit shorter. Um, it's just, you know, it's just the way this is rolling out. Uh, amazingly enough, after all the stuff that happened over the weekend, there really wasn't actually a whole lot of stuff that, I don't know, had a whole lot of uh, substance to it. I mean, that 
uh, there was like several, several whole, you know, massive threads. And it was just all either about Samson Mao or how lightning sucks. And they're really just, I mean, when you got, when I started peeling it all back, it, there just wasn't a whole hell of a lot that went on. So that's, again, that's one of the reasons why these, these things have been a little bit shorter lately. But, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. We're heading into the holiday season. I want to remind you that I will be gone uh, from the 18th, probably through to the 2nd or 3rd of January um, and uh, pick the show back up then because we all need a, we all need a Christmas break. Uh, God, we so need a break. <clears throat> I do want to re- also remind you, please go rate and review uh, the uh, show over at the Apple iTunes. Uh, again, that uh, link to uh, my podcast over at Apple iTunes is in my bio for my Twitter account. And that is at B E N N D seven, seven. Again, that is B E N N D seven, seven. It'd be great if you would rate review, share the pod. You know, if you want, if you're, you know, uh, need or know somebody who's like just kind of interested in getting the news and don't really, does not really have time to read it because they are either in their car or they are at work or they're doing something else. Uh, what I try to do is is get you guys up to speed on what's going on three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, so in, in a way that you can listen, because one of the greatest things about podcasts is the fact that you can listen to the information and perform other tasks like drive or, I don't know, write an email or something like that, because some of the, most of the emails that we write in, in the working world are actually kind of worthless and don't need a whole hell of a lot of thought. Or you could garden. Uh, the only thing that you can't do with a podcast unless you're using an electric is mow the lawn or using some, you know, other kind of gas powered objects because that doesn't really work all that well. But again, like share review, subscribe rate, uh, five-star ratings would be awesome. And you know, I'll, with that shit, I'll see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.